All right, so I brought a few things with me today. Surprise, surprise, right? I bring something every Sunday, but I brought a few different things this week. Uh, Let's take a look at what I've got here. See if you can guess what the theme is, all right? I've got a bottle of vitamins, okay? I've got a blood pressure monitor. You check your blood pressure. Come by after the service if you need to. All right, so I got a blood pressure monitor. I've got a set of bathroom scales. There is a theme. All right. And then I've got some canned vegetables. Just imagine, I mean, any vegetables are good, but it, fresh vegetables. We'll imagine they're fresh vegetables. And, you know, with any food, you, most people, or at least some people, if you're like me, you don't really pay attention to the nutritional facts, but there are nutritional facts on a can of food. And that tells you how, how good they are for you, how not so good they are for you. But all of these represent a theme. Can anybody guess? Health, yes. If you are health conscious, if you are concerned about your health, you will be concerned about some or all of these things and more, but these were just basically the things I could find around the house, okay? So if you're concerned about your health, I mean, you're going to take vitamins, you're going to eat healthy foods, uh, you'll keep a check on your blood pressure, which the older I get, the more important I realize that is. Uh, bathroom scales, you know, all of these things speak to being concerned with your health. And I, I would hope that we could all agree that we should all be concerned with the health of our bodies, right? I mean, you should be concerned about that. Uh, if you want to live long, if you want to have a fulfilling life, if you want to be able to do the things you want to do, then you want to take care of yourself. Now, I know that's not always possible. Things happen. We live in a fallen world. Uh, we have broken bodies and all of these things, but we should, we should at least try. Now, if we should be concerned with the health of our physical bodies, how much more should we be concerned with Christ's body, the health of Christ's body? I mean, I think, you know, as important as it is to be physically healthy, it is, in my opinion, even more important for us to be concerned about the health of the body of Christ, the church. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning is the health of the body of Christ and what we can do, what I believe we have to do in order to maintain health and to grow, become more healthy as the body of Christ. I shared with you a little last week, a a few months ago, about four or five months ago, uh, the staff, particularly at the time, Jim and Caleb and myself, we began to meet together regularly and we began to pray and discuss the future of the staff, the future of the church. And what you're going to hear this morning is the result of that, where we believe God has led us to really focus um, and in terms of moving into the future, it's going to be very specific in a large part. It's going to be very pointed and direct in, in a specific area that we feel like if, if we can function in a healthy way, that it will pave the way for incredible growth in many aspects, in every aspect, but also... Uh, and fulfilling the plan that God has for this church. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. So if you have your copy of God's Word, let me ask you to turn there. We're going to read verses 11 through 16 of Ephesians chapter 4, and then we'll dive in. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through verse 16. You can follow along with me as I begin. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning and cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Now Paul's looking at the church, and really chapter 4, he's looking at the church on two levels here, okay? He, is, he, he saw the body of Christ made up of all true believers. There's the body of Christ, there's the local church. He's writing to the Ephesians here. But he sees the body of Christ made up of believers growing gradually until it reaches full maturity. With a stature, he says, measured by none other than Christ's fullness. So there's our standard, all right? And, there, and, and, and the more like Christ we are, the more mature we will be. Measured by Christ's fullness. He also, though, sees the local body of believers, the church, ministering to each other, growing together, ministering inside the church, outside the church. Primarily here he's talking about ministry within the church, but using gifts to serve, the gifts that God gives us, growing together. And the result of that is that the church experiences a supernatural unity, spiritual unity, unity that can only come from the presence of the Holy Spirit and God's people living in submission to that. Now, if you back up to the previous verses, verses 7 through 10, Paul talks about how we each have been given different gifts, that God has given us spiritual gifts to be used for service. That he's gifted each of us. He wants to use those gifts in a unique way in your life to accomplish his kingdom purposes. So we've all been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. Gifts to serve. But in using those gifts, we build up the body of Christ. Our diverse roles, which we each have, different roles, are, are there for our growth, but also to enrich and to bless the church, the body of Christ. And then in verse 11, Paul mentions apostles. Now, apostles in the biblical, the strictest biblical sense, we don't have apostles anymore. They were there at the beginning of the church for the, for the very specific reason. Um, and they were, we no longer have that role functioning in that way. Now, we still have people who are sent out. We are all sent out. Uh, which is, is, is part of what an apostle was. But the original 12, uh, we, you know, we don't have that anymore, all right? And then he talks about um, prophets. 
and prophets. Now, there are people who have the gift of prophecy in the sense, I believe, that they can take God's word and they have a unique gift in, in speaking directly into people's lives and applying God's word to their life. Uh, they have a, a special, unique gift in that way. But prophets had a unique role in the beginning of the church in the New Testament. So we don't see prophets functioning, I don't believe, in that way, in the same way. Evangelists. Now, this is probably one of the most um, misunderstood gifts that there is. We are all called to evangelize. Now, there are some people who are especially gifted in the area of evangelism, and you probably know some of those people. I mean, they just have a, 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 a knack for sharing the gospel, gifted in that way, and, and they win souls for Christ. Just they, It's a natural gift that they have. But, but don't misunderstand. Even if you don't have that gift, we're still, all of us are called to evangelize. And so there, that is used for building up the church. And that very much exists today. But then he moves into pastors and teachers. Depending on how you read the original text, those could be together. Pastor, teacher. And certainly pastors teach. Um, But I want to focus in on that this morning. Because this is kind of how the Lord's been working in our hearts as your pastors uh, in this church. and, And where he's been leading us. Because it's very clear that Paul makes the statement, and we see this in Scripture And in healthy churches, you see this. You know, pastors have a lot of responsibilities. But one of the primary responsibilities that we have is to equip you, the saints, believers, for the work of ministry. And that is something that I believe that we could improve greatly on. I I believe that we haven't done enough. And by we, I mean us. And we all agree we need to do more to do that. We need to do a better... Now, some of you are serving faithfully in ministries. You know your gifts, you're using them, but we want every believer. And, and you know, you you say, well, some people aren't going to be as committed as others, but there's really no out here. Every believer in the local church should know their gifts and be using their gifts to serve the Lord. And it's it, it begins with we, your leaders, your pastors, your overseers, your shepherds, to make sure that you are equipped, that we give you the opportunities and the training that you need to be equipped, and then the opportunities to use those gifts. A healthy church exists when the people of God, the, the leadership, that everybody you're a leader in some area. You may not be a natural leader. You may not be called to lead, but you should be leading in the area of your giftedness, in your sphere of influence, which we all have one. And so the, the church functions in a healthy manner when the people of God know their gifts and they're using their gifts to serve the Lord. Every follower of Christ, here, here I want you to, to hear this this morning, every follower of Christ has a ministry. Every one of you, if you are a child of God, if you have accepted Christ, you have a ministry. And if you don't know what that ministry is right now, we want you to discover what that ministry is. 
You will never be fulfilled. You will never be all that God intends for you to be until you are serving God in the ministry that he's called you to serve in. So we're going to discover, I believe, as we walk through this, just how important this is. Because within this passage, what's great about these few verses is Paul sets the standards. He gives apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists to equip the saints for the work of ministry. But then he, he does us a favor and he gives us the benefits. He gives us the results. If you'll do this, here are the results. Here is what you will see in the local churches. So let's walk through that and see what the results of equipping the saints is. The first is this. Equipping the saints shows that every member is essential. Every member, as I just said, has a ministry, which means every member is essential to the healthy functioning and growth of the church. Verses 11 and 12, again, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. Every, every saint equipped for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. All saints, all believers, every member, every Christian, every believer is essential to kingdom work. Now, we have a tendency to think about ministry this way. We tend to think that, that God is scanning over the crowd like a general scanning his troops, inspecting his troops, and picks out the most polished, the most skilled, the most trained. And certainly in life, there are aspects where that's important, right? You want your, your brain surgeon to be well-skilled and trained, right? But we, we tend to think of kingdom work that way, that God's scanning the crowd and he's picking out the people that, that look the best or have the highest IQs or are the most trained. But the sad truth is, in doing that, if we reserve ministry only for those people, we're going to miss out on a lot of impact that we can make. Because God is not as concerned with how trained you are as he is with how committed you are to him and how much you're willing to give yourself to him. It's not, the reality is, it's not about being the most trained. It's about being called, empowered, and equipped. And Stacy Reinhardt, in his book, Upside Down, says this. He says, the real ministry, whether large or small, is often reserved for the most trained professional. And ordinary folks, in quotation marks, cower in the background, quietly convinced that average is a dirty word. But hear this, in the process, he says, and I agree with this, in the process, the body of Christ atrophies. The body of Christ is not functioning. And when one part of your body no longer functions, what happens? It gets weaker and weaker and weaker. It atrophies. And so a better way to look at it is it's not about the training that you have. It's not about, you know, being the most qualified. It's about being called by God, which each of you are, set apart for his service. All of us, we are. It's about being empowered. And guess what? If you are a Christian, you are empowered. You have the Holy Spirit living in and through you. It's about being called, empowered, and then being equipped. And this is where we come in. Making sure that you're equipped to do the work that God has called you to do. 
And again, that's where we're focusing this morning. Jesus is our model in this. He used ordinary men and women to accomplish his purposes. I mean, look at the disciples. None of them exceptionally qualified to do what he asked them to do. A band of misfits put together against all odds. When you look at their personalities, what we know about their personalities, yet Jesus called them out, he set them apart, and he equipped them to do what he needed them to do and empowered them to do what he needed them to do. And that's, you know, we, we see God throughout Scripture using ordinary men and women to accomplish His purpose. And, and that's the basis of the series that we're in, if you'll recall. It's about making an impact for God's kingdom, how God took ordinary people that no one else would have chosen probably, but because they were willing to submit to Him and to serve Him, He used them to do really extraordinary things. And the thing that made them qualified was that they were willing to have faith in God and willing to trust Him and depend on Him and to rely on Him to work through them. They didn't do anything on their own that was spectacular. They allowed God to work through them. And so they made incredible impact for the kingdom of God. And when we look at the New Testament, the significant players of the church were not superstars. But they, 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 they were simply average men and women who had faith in God through Christ, and they were gifted, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They used those gifts that God had given, given them at conversion through the Holy Spirit and the abilities that they were born with. They developed those under the leadership and, and power of the Holy Spirit, and they used those gifts and abilities in God's kingdom work. He used, God used these people throughout Scripture because of their faith in Him. And if we have faith, if we submit, if we are willing to be used by God, we can have the same impact. So what should influence our view of spiritual leadership? When we're talking about spiritual leadership in the church, what should should influence our view? How do we determine who should be involved in service in the church as a whole? Again, Jesus is our model, and we see that his model of leadership comes from a relational context where life, power, and leadership comes from our relationships with the Lord, in the Lord, and with each other. And so a relationship with God, submission to the Lord, spiritual growth, a desire to grow spiritually, relationships with each other, These areas of service grow out of those things. And so the key is that you're in the Lord, you're growing in the Lord, and if you are in Christ, committed to Christ, submitted to Christ, then you should be serving. If you are a child of God, then you should be serving. And there are unique roles, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but all of us should be serving. Matthew 23, 8, Jesus said this. He says, You are not not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher and you are all brothers and sisters. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, those of us who are in Christ. And then John 15, 15, he says something pretty unique for the disciples to hear. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends. Because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. He's equipping them. He has equipped them. He's given them access to the mind of God. 
and the power of God. And the truth is, as followers of Christ, we stand and fall together. I mean, we should be united. We should serve shoulder to shoulder, side by side. And regardless of your position in the church, guess what? We all have equal footing in the kingdom of God. I mean, we're all equal at the foot of the cross because we're sinners. And once we're saved, we're all equal and that we're all sinners saved by grace. None of us deserve to be used for God for anything. But in his grace, he gives us the opportunity. And we're equal. Different roles, different responsibilities, but we're equal. Equal status. Sinners saved by grace and empowered by the Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 16 and 17, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be be in you. And then in verse 26, he says, The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us, that teaches us, that leads us. And then we'll look at John 16. I want to read verses 7 all the way through 15. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you, the Holy Spirit. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, Because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Don't worry, he's saying, because I'm still going to be speaking to you. I'm still going to be with you. The Holy Spirit will be speaking to you. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. So Jesus is saying, what he said here is that when he went to be with the Father, someone greater would come. And the reason is because Jesus in human form was limited. He, he, He set aside some of his divine attributes. Voluntarily, but as a human, he was in a human body, fully human, experienced all of the the perils of being a human on earth, did it without sinning, but still, by going to be with the Father, providing salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection, and then sending the Holy Spirit, now his presence would be manifested in all believers. And so now we have the presence of God manifested in the church. The power of God working through us, those of us who are submitted to Christ. And so incredible kingdom impact can take place through the body of Christ if it's functioning properly. We don't depend on human abilities or human leadership by itself. We depend on the power of God, the Spirit of God who guides us, convicts us, and instructs us, and empowers us to do God's work. I mean, you think about what's listed 
that I just read in John chapter 16. I mean, he, he convicts sin, righteousness, judgment. He does all of the heavy lifting because we can't change people's minds. We can't convince people to do things they don't want to do. But the Holy Spirit does that. We are his vessels that he uses to accomplish his purposes. And so when you begin to think about it in those terms and, and spiritual gifts and empowerment and the strength that we need, that all comes from God and it works. he works through us. We have to depend on him. We have to be faithful. There's work for us to do. But the kingdom impact, the great bulk of the work is done through the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. So having God's Holy Spirit within us means we carry his power with us, within us. And this power enables every follower of Christ to influence others spiritually. And again, I want, I want you to know that you know, some of you aren't called to be leaders in the sense that you're called to be a pastor or a teacher or to lead a committee or a ministry team. But we all are called to lead in our area of giftedness. Each and every one of you in this room has a sphere of influence. There is a group of people or a few people or maybe even one person in your life that you have the ability to influence for Christ. And God has gifted you to do that in a unique and and supernatural way because it's the Holy Spirit working through you. And if you haven't discovered that, you are missing out on one of the reasons you were placed here on earth, because God has a purpose for you. He has a ministry for you, and you will never be fulfilled. You will never be content. You will never discover the joy of knowing the purpose and fulfilling the purpose God has given you until you submit to him, are equipped to serve, and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work through you to accomplish that purpose. And that is my desire. That is our desire as your leadership, as your pastors. It is our desire for you to know and discover that joy and to be used by God to, to do incredible things for his kingdom, to know the joy of the relationship growth that takes place between you and your Savior when you're depending on him in, in those areas of service where he's calling you to go above and beyond your human abilities and discover what it, what it feels like, what it's like depending on God, what life is like being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We want that for you. And that, that is the direction that we are going. Every member of the body of Christ has a part. Every member is essential. The next result we see Paul share with us of equipping the saints is that it increases unity and maturity in the church. It increases unity and maturity in the church. Look at verses 13 through 15 again of Ephesians 4. He equips the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son. I don't think any of us have complete knowledge of Jesus yet, do we? I don't, so we're still in that process. Growing into maturity with a statue measured by Christ's fullness. Again, I don't think any of us would say we are completely like Jesus, right? I don't think I'm missing anybody. 
None of us are, so we're still growing into maturity. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness and the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth of lo- uh, in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. And we see here the, a little reference here, but, but the, we see in Scripture, throughout Scripture, that God is one God that exists in three co-equal persons. The Trinity, the mystery of the Trinity. No one can fully explain it. Great analogies out there, but they all fall short just a little bit because it's God. None of us can understand completely how the Trinity works, but Scripture teaches it, and it is who God is. God is one, yet he manifests himself in three persons, and he works in three persons. Deuteronomy 6, 4 tells us, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It is one God. Again, manifest in three persons. And this is not in your notes. I left this out. It was my mistake. It's not on the PowerPoint. But you should probably be familiar with this verse. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And who is the Word? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So Jesus. God becomes flesh. But He is God. So you have God the Father. The Godhead. And then God the Son. And then John 4.24. God is spirit. So God the Father, God the Son, but God is also spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And then, just in case there's any confusion, Matthew 28.19, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, you may think I'm going off the rails a little bit here, but I'm about to bring it back, okay? Because this is important. We look at the Trinity, we should look at the Trinity as a model for ministry. What do I mean by that? Well, relationships are at the core of ministry and leadership because relationship is at the core of who God is. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working in perfect unity, yet diverse in how they function, how He functions. Perfect unity in diversity and perfect relationship. Different roles. There's submission and there's hierarchy, yet there's also shared authority. Right? Each has a different function. And we see the the Trinity, we see God himself, and within that, a perfect model for relationships, but also a perfect model for ministry. Each person within the Trinity is equal. Each performs different roles. There is equality, yet there's role differentiation. There is hierarchy, but there's also shared authority, and each has a different function. And here's the deal. There's no jealousy. There's no competition. There are no power struggles in the Trinity. Perfect unity. Perfect relationship. Harmony and unity. Theologian J.R.I. Packer said it this way. He said, within the complex unity of his being, three personal centers of relational awareness eternally co-inhere. Interpenetra- they co-inhere, interpenetrate, 
relate in mutual love, and cooperate in all divine actions. God is not only he, but also they, Father, Son, and Spirit, co-equal and co-eternal in power and glory through functioning in a set pattern whereby the Son obeys the Father and the Spirit subserves both. All statements about God in general or about the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit in particular should be cased in Trinitarian terms if something of their meaning is not to be lost. The perfect, mysterious, miraculous relationship, existence of God in the the Trinity in the form of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So how does this translate into leadership and service in the church? There should be unity amidst diversity in the body of Christ. We're all different. All of us. Unique and different. Different personalities, different backgrounds, different strengths, different weaknesses. But we should have unity amidst diversity. There should be shared leadership. There are roles, and we'll talk about you know, those, those called leadership roles in a moment. But there, there it should be shared leadership. Within the church, there's no place for power struggles in the church. If we're going to be like Christ, there's no place for power struggles in the church. No place for jealousy. No place for competition. We're all in this together. We're all equal in this. Relationships should be the glue that holds leaders together, servants together. Our goal should be to point people to the Trinity, to God, by modeling the Trinity in our relationships and in our ministry inside the church and outside the church. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, yet we have unique contributions. Just like you see God in three persons, each member of the Trinity has a different function. We all are one in Christ, yet we all have different functions, different roles, different responsibilities. As brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and these, the, the respect that we have for each other, the unity that we share, the relationship bond that we share, and our mutual dependence on each other, dependence on God, is a wonderful reflection of the Trinity. It's a wonderful reflection and a mark of our spiritual character. A quality that we should show. And I believe if the example of the Trinity were better modeled, were better reflected in the ministry of the church, we would see an amazing difference in the way that we operate with each other and the way that we, the impact that we have for the kingdom of God. If we really function more like the Trinity in our ministry, like God, becoming more like God in this way, we would experience greater unity of heart. And leadership will manifest itself in various ways in the church and others-oriented acts of service. It would be easier for us as we submit to Christ and as we fully function in our roles to submit to one another, to put others first. Because we see that modeled in the Trinity as well, don't we? We become more like Christ. We will also see people in this church, I believe, if we function in this way, different roles, different responsibilities, shared authority, shared leadership, shared ministry, 
people truly fulfilling their purpose. We will see unity, but we will also see people develop a stronger and stronger faith, a stronger and stronger walk with Christ. Because listen, I want this church to grow, and I want this church to grow in every aspect of growth, but I want this church to grow in spiritual maturity, in foundation, in faith. I want us to grow in our faith to be stronger and have a firm foundation. I want my kids to have a firm foundation when they grow up and become adults because the world is a scary place with a lot of ideas and a lot to challenge their faith. I want them to be strong in their faith when they go out into the world, prepared for whatever Satan has to attack them with. And the only way that's going to happen is if they know their Lord and Savior, they know their gifts, they know their abilities, they submit to Christ and begin to serve Him and have faith in Him and submit to Him each day. And I can teach them that, but they're really going to learn that as I model that for them, as their church models that for them, and as they begin to practice that themselves. All of us, that applies to all of us as we practice service in the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see people the firm foundation. The truth is using the gifts that God has given us is vital to the growth and maturity of every follower of Christ. You'll never grow to maturity as a follower of Christ until you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And another truth, the members of the church grow. How do you grow? You grow by feeding on the Word of God, a relationship with Christ, and in that relationship, feeding on the Word of God and ministering to others inside and outside the church. If all you do is feed on the Word of God and you never put it into practice, you won't grow. And putting it into practice means, in part, in a large part, that you are using the gifts that God has given you to serve people inside the church and outside the church. Feeding on God's Word and serving others. Spiritual growth produces a solid foundation. It also produces doctrinal stability. In verse 13, Paul mentions growth and unity in the faith, he says, and the knowledge of God's Son, which involves both the intellect and the heart, right? Knowing God. It involves head knowledge and heart knowledge. And then in verse 14, he says that we should no longer be little children thrown around by every wind of doctrine, which tells us that a maturing believer recognizes false doctrine when he or she hears it because they know the truth. They're growing in the faith. And, and when you put this all together, me knowing my gifts and using my gifts is an important ingredient in knowing the truth because I'm learning the truth intellectually in my heart. I'm believing and understanding the truth, but then I'm putting the truth into practice as I live for Christ. So equipping the saints Increases unity and maturity in the church. Another result. The third result is of equipping the saints is it improves the health and the effectiveness of the church. It improves the health and effectiveness of the church. Look at verse 16. From him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the body for building up itself building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Like a healthy body, if it's going to function properly, every part has to work. Every part of the body of Christ, if it's going to function in a healthy way, has to be working properly. Each of us have to be serving. 
And the question we have to ask is, what are we working toward? What are we building? Because the truth is, unless we are building God's kingdom, we will quickly fall into the trap of trying to build our own kingdom while calling it God's. And we don't want that. We want to build God's kingdom. We are building something greater than any of us on our own could ever imagine or think up. Any of us could ever dream of. We are building the kingdom of God. And all of us, each of us, have a part in that. All of us have a part in that. Every believer makes a gifted contribution to the growth and the health of the body of Christ. And to the advancement of his kingdom. Only when we are working in cooperation using the gifts and abilities that God has given us in submission to Christ will the church truly be healthy and functioning as it should. As members of, God, of Christ's body, we belong to each other, we affect each other, and we need each other. Desperately. Each believer, no matter how insignificant they may appear, and I stress the word appear because no one's insignificant, but no matter how insignificant they may appear, has a ministry that is vital to the growth and the health of the church. If you are here today, you are a follower of Christ in this church, you have a ministry that is vital to the growth and health of this church. We want you to discover that and to begin to use those gifts for God's kingdom and for his glory. The various gifts that God gives for the common good, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. The body grows as individual members grow. As they grow and they feed on the word, they minister inside and outside the church. The body continues to grow. And in this sense, each believer, again, each of us, are leaders in a specific area. Now, the Bible clearly establishes some gifts that are leadership gifts, okay? There is a hierarchy of authority and leadership in the church. While every believer is a leader in his area of gifting, and every one of you should be, there are some individual gifts that that are provided for the direction and the oversight of the church. And we recognize that. I'm not minimizing leadership roles within the church, those leadership gifts that God gives. But we all should be leading in some way. We all have a contribution to make. We all should be using our gifts and abilities and leading in our area of giftedness. Because the truth is we will never be what God wants us to be until we are all fulfilling the purpose that God has set apart and gifted us to fulfill. The church will never accomplish its purpose unless this is happening. I believe that with all my heart. On the other hand, there's no limit to what God can do through a group of people who are committed, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and actively using their gifts to advance his kingdom. There are implications all around for this. And as we wrap up, just give me a few more minutes as we wrap up here. I want to talk to you about the implications of that. I mean, there are implications for the church staff. As we enter a process to search for a new worship pastor, we're going to be looking for someone who has this same philosophy that is coming in that says, 
It's not just about leading in worship. It's not just about leading. It's about equipping others to lead in the area of worship. And we as a church need to have the same philosophy that, hey, we're not just, calling, we're not just hiring somebody to lead worship. We're hiring somebody to come in and equip people that are gifted in these areas to fulfill their roles within the worship ministry. And so there's implications in how we search for a, a worship pastor and any staff in the future by the way. There's implications in terms of, of, of the staff that exists, okay? Because here, here's, here's one of the things, one of the beautiful things that happens when you equip others to lead. As we equip in our areas of leadership and people begin to take ownership of ministry, then we are free to operate more in our areas of giftedness. It's up to us to lead in the area of equipping and to help people find their areas of service, but we want to grow in our areas of giftedness too. And so each of us, I mean, we're unique in our gifts. I mean, I think, I think about Brother Jim, our children's pastor, as he equips and more people take ownership in children's ministry, then Jim is gifted in administration. And I certainly am not, and I think Caleb would agree that he's not, Right? So, so Jim could be free to, to operate more in that area and function exceptionally well. Caleb, he's great with our students, no doubt. But as he has leaders that are, that are growing and taking ownership of more ministry, Caleb is exceptionally gifted in missions, in case you haven't noticed, and in discipleship. I know he would love to grow and expand in that area. And for me, I mean, I... There are several areas that I'm not exceptionally gifted in, that I'm functioning in, that I can hand off not only to them but to other leaders in the church if people are equipped and growing and taking ownership and leadership. But I'm going to tell you, I have, I have a heart for preaching, certainly. I love people. But Mandy and I, I have a heart for family ministry. And we love pouring in to young families and doing things to encourage and equip families to, to grow in the Lord and serve the Lord. And I would love to expand and grow in that area. And so as we equip and you take ownership and we continue to lead and, and be actively involved, then we grow in our relationship with Christ and in our ministry. You grow in your relationship with Christ in your ministry. And guess what? By sharing ministry and sharing leadership we as a church will be better prepared for growth as a whole. Spiritual growth will be taking place. And if we are all functioning and all ministering and all taking ownership, the church will grow numerically. And one reason is because we'll be better prepared for that. You're not depending on a small group of people to do a whole bunch of work. We are sharing the workload. We are sharing the ministry, thereby having a greater impact because the Holy Spirit is working through multiple people to reach folks instead of depending on a select few people to do the work. So there's implications for ministry. There's implications for growth. So how are we going to do this? That's the question we landed on. It all sounds great, right? So how are we going to do this? Well, here's where we're going to start, okay? It's going to be a process. This isn't going to happen overnight. But here's where we're going to start. Here's what I need you to do for us. We need you to do for us. Very simple. I want you to walk away with very simple instructions, okay? Number one, 
If you have no idea what your gift is, here's where you need to start. You need to start by filling out a spiritual gifts inventory. You can find it on our website. Go to wallhighway.com, click on the serve tab at the top, and there is a spiritual gifts inventory. Download it, fill it out, and then make an appointment with myself, with Brother Caleb, or Brother Jim, and that way we can sit down with you and help you begin to process. And the spiritual gifts inventory is not going to answer all your questions, but it'll at least give you a place to start, and we can help you find that place to start, okay? Discovering your gifts. But many of you know your gifts. So then becomes the question, I know I have a gift. I don't even know what that gift is, but how do I get plugged in? That's, again, where we come in. And this is an area, listen, we're taking ownership of this. This is an area where we have not done as well as we should have. So this is going to be our focus for a while, is making sure people know their gifts and helping you become equipped and plugged into an area of service. And here's where we're going to begin. For those of you that know your gift, or at least have a pretty good idea, we're going to ask you to do one very simple thing. It's not long. It won't take you very long. But we want you to fill out the skills and interest survey. You can find it on Realm. Okay? If you're not on Realm, don't freak out. Hold on. You can find it on Realm. It's easy. If you have a Realm account, all you got to do is sign on to your account. And when you get on that, that initial page, if you'll look on the left side, your left, okay? If you look on the left side, you will see, I want to make sure I get this right. I don't want to tell you wrong, okay? You will see on the left side, I believe it says, hang on a minute. Click on, first, click on volunteers on the left. And then you will see a page open up, and there will be an option for you to click on skills. You check boxes on things that you are skilled in. You click on interest, and then you get the opportunity to select ministries that you are interested in. Here's the key, though, okay? We, we need for you to complete this by October the 19th. shouldn't take you long. Okay? You've got a couple of weeks to do this. October the 19th. Now, if you're filling out the spiritual gifts inventory, you don't have to have had an appointment with us by the 19th, but we ask you to, to fill out this inventory and go ahead and schedule an appointment with us. But if you're filling out the skills and interest survey, we need you to do it by October the 19th because here's the deal. We're going to take that information. And one of the great things about Realm is we can take that and we can process it very easily. We're going to take that information with us on our staff retreat that we're having the 24th, 25th, and 26th of October. We're going to process what you've filled out, and we are going to finalize or at least finalize the beginning stages of the plan to get you, begin getting you equipped and plugged into service. Okay? We, we need those results. Now, you may not have realm. If you are, are here and you are savvy on the Internet at all, uh, and you have not activated your Realm account, you've probably gotten an invitation and you either dismissed it or forgot about it. Don't worry. You're going to get an invitation again tomorrow. All right, so be looking in your email. Activate that Realm account. Easy to do. If you have trouble, contact the church office. Activate that Realm account and then fill out the skills and interest survey. If you have trouble at all doing it in the process, call the church office. If you are not internet savvy, you have no interest in being internet savvy or computer savvy, savvy, we have hard copies for you in the foyer of the skills and interest survey. Pick one up on your way out. Or call the church office and they will email you a copy. If you do at least email, okay? So whatever, wherever you fall, we will get this to you and we will process the hard copy just as, as well as we will 
on the internet, all right? But make sure by October the 19th because we believe this is a vital first step for us, for we as your leaders, as your shepherds, to begin the process of getting you plugged in. Some of you are serving in ministry. You know your gift, and that's fine. Fill out the skills and interests anyway because we don't want you to be left out, all right? Um, but all of us, and, and by the way, of the people that are active in our church and own realm, we've had 20 people, 20 people outside of staff that have filled out skills and interests. There's a whole lot more people in this room than 20. So we, we want to get full participation in this, all right? Take a moment and do that. It won't take you very long, and then we'll begin the process. As we finish... I brought my stuff, but I brought it in a bin, okay? Now, th- now think about this bin. This bin's good for a lot of things. And one of the things it's good for is carrying the stuff that I brought. I mean, you imagine if you're moving, if you've moved, which we have a few times, bins like this are great, right? They're pretty sturdy. Boxes are great too, but you want these bins for, for specific things. And, and they hold, this one holds a fair amount of stuff. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and pack up to leave today uh, so that, that Melody doesn't have to do it later <laughs> or whoever else in the choir does that when I leave it here. Um, uh, it holds all this stuff really, really well and could hold a lot more. But, you know, you think about it, you wouldn't try, if you were moving and you got some of these bins, you wouldn't, for instance, try to put your vacuum cleaner in this bin. It wouldn't fit. You wouldn't put your refrigerator in here because it certainly wouldn't fit, right? Your lawnmower, your couch, whatever. It's going to hold certain things very well. But there are certain things that are just way too big to fit into this bin. How many times do we, in various ways, in the church and in our lives... Try to fit a great big God in a little bitty box. In our thinking, in our expectations, in our, the way we go about living. Well, guess what? One of the ways that we put God in a box is in the way that we do ministry. Because if we are not functioning as a healthy church, which, with each member knowing their gifts and using their gifts for his kingdom and for his glory, then we're putting God in a box because we're saying that God can only use a select few people. When God says, no, I want to use the entire body, every single member. That is, I believe, his desire. That is our desire. And I pray that together it will become our desire. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for generously giving us gifts for your service. Thank you for including us in your kingdom work. It is a mystery beyond mysteries as to why you would choose to use flawed human beings when you certainly don't need us, except that you want us to know you and to share in the joy of seeing your kingdom come and to seeing people's lives changed and to see us become like you through our relationship with you, our submission to you, and our service for you. 
Lord, I just pray that you would just speak to us here. We know that we can't know our gifts unless we know you as Lord and Savior. And there may be somebody here today or listening or watching that, that none of this really means anything to them because they haven't accepted the gift of salvation that's available through you, Jesus, your death on the cross for our sins, your resurrection, giving us life in you. And they need to begin this process by accepting you as Lord and Savior. There are many of us, though, that know you, and, and God, we're not functioning healthy because we're not functioning individually in the way that you would have us to function. Um, as wonderful as this church is and as healthy as it is, I know that, that there are some of us who are not experiencing all that you would have for us because we're not serving. And that begins with the responsibility of us as leaders making sure people are equipped and have the opportunity, but it, but it rests ultimately on each of us individually accepting the call that you've placed on our lives to serve. And I pray that, that, that this day would mark the beginning of a growing passion and desire that you give each of us to serve you faithfully, leading and ministering in the areas of giftedness that you've given us and the abilities that you've given us. Lord, you pave the way. You lead us. You lead the pastors, those of us who are pastors as we lead the congregation. Every step of the way, and we will follow. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in and through Wall Highway Baptist Church. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for our invitation?